This is ASIN, the Association for the Study of Ethnicity and Nationalism. To find out more, visit asin.ac.uk. Speaking, 
And we decided to do, address these issues that have been addressed all throughout the last few days, which is that a lot of research on nationalism still assumes borders and territories. Uh, we speak of these units. Nationalism, nationalism studies is not unique to this. Uh, the political economy of development does this, for example. Speaking of Brazil as a unit or India as a unit, when that absolutely makes no sense at all uh, for just about any kind of dependent variable that you can imagine. Uh, and the problem with, with this idea of speaking in these categories and speaking of nations uh, and, 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 and states is that obviously some nations have more than one state. Um, so how do we distinguish? Do we talk about how do we talk about German nationalism, for example, if we're discussing German nationalism in the 19th, or the 20th, or the 21st century? Do we want to include uh, uh, the Austrian population? Uh, if we want to make it broader, do we want to perhaps include Flemish population? Uh, so how do we do this? And moreover, there are countries that have more than one nation. So is it possible to speak of Spanish nationalism? Uh, yesterday, I went to a couple of colleagues who were uh, Catalan, and I said, ah, somos hispanos. And they're, ah, I don't know what I'm You're Castellano, I'm Catalan. Uh, and certainly, again, an extreme example would be the case of India, where to speak of a single nation defined by the state boundaries of India would make no sense. Now, again, the United States appears a very, very kind of nationalist. Uh, this is from a wonderful dissertation by Mark Lankowski, a graduate student in Princeton, who is now a professor at, at Harvard. And he did a, a wonderful analysis of public opinion data, trying to identify forms of nationalism. And one of the ones he came up with is ultra-nationalist. Uh, these are people who feel very, very strongly about identifying with their nation and with their state. And the numbers for the United States were just way over. Uh, the United States had the highest degree of ultranationalists on all measures that Bart uh, used, and again, you can reference his, his dissertation. Uh, the United States really is an incredible outlier. So there's a great deal of nationalism in the United States. But is it uniform? Is the United States the same amount of nationalism throughout? Uh, what is the distribution of nationalist sentiment in the United States or patriotism in the United States? Is every region really American? And this becomes really silly, especially after the 2008 uh, election, when the concept of the real America arose. Now, this is a very old theme in American political discourse, uh, but it's become standardized. So can we talk about a real America? Is all America equally real? Or can we say that people are American in different ways? People are nationalist Americans in different ways. So regionalism in the United States has been a great deal of empirical work uh, done first on, on different American nations, that is, uh, there's the West, there's the Midwest, there's the South, there's the Northeast, there's New England, there's the cities, etc. Uh, there's been differences in the way uh, Maria has done some great work on immigrant reception and ethnicity and how that is differentiated across the United States. It's a wonderful book called The Big Sort by Bishop that basically looks at how America is becoming extremely polarized not just in terms of, of, of politics, but also in, in lifestyle issues, etc. And you can see, as any of you who travel to the United States, uh, you can see, you can actually categorize neighborhoods, for example, by the car manufacturer. There are neighborhoods where you will largely see American cars, and there are neighborhoods where you will only see Subarus. Uh, uh, and it's at that level, or if you look at television viewing programming or uh, uh, 
media sources, etc., it's become extremely regionalized. And this has led to the polarization, not just polarization on ideological levels, but polarization accompanying uh, regionalization. And here's a couple of examples just to show you. Uh, there's different languages, religions, and lifestyles. So this is, uh, this is for fun, generic names for soft drinks. And there's actually very clear regional effects. In the South, it's just called Coke. Um, so you say, I'll have a Sprite Coke. Uh, there is soda pop, I mean, or pop, and there is soda. All right? You can see this in terms of religion. This is a Baptist belt. All right? This is a Lutheran belt. This is largely a Methodist. All right? So the country has these clear differences. And Patchwork Nation has actually done this and run a whole series of cluster analysis where they talk about different kinds of communities uh, and, and, and they, they're, they're mapped out there. We wanted to do this for, for nationalism. Now, a unit of analysis is not individual, it's the county. We have data on a whole variety of variables to see this up. On 3,100 is the basic administrative unit below the province level in the United States. And we argue, first of all, we do that because that's what we have data. Uh, but we also argue that it's meaningful to do that because sentiments like nationalism really cannot be understood at a purely individual level. They have to be understood in a geographical context. They have to be understood in a social context. Nationalism is not an individual characteristic. It is a social fact and should be studied as such. Our variables are ideology, very, very broadly understood. We also look at ethnicity. And then where I think we're doing something new, I hope, is we're looking at three forms of behavior. Voting, uh, taxing, and serving in the military. And we want to argue that these three behavioral measures of national sentiment, of patriotic sentiment, uh, those are the, the three good indicators of a sense of a duty to the state. And we want to talk about to what extent these are distributed equally across the United States. So let's first talk about uh, political ideology. If you go to the web and you put in map for political ideology in the United States, you get lots of different representations depending on people's uh, uh, ideological priorities. <laughs> yes, I would want to just read this one. Uh, <laughs> this one here is the Consolidated States of America, and this is the fascist. <laughs> Over here we have Texas and Chicago, Slovakia. Uh, California's been, and this one, of course, stands by itself. Uh, this was at the 19, uh, uh, this was at the 2004 uh, election. Let's try to get a little bit less crude. And you're probably, again, if you've ever watched American media, you're very familiar with the blue, uh, red, or red, blue, purple maps. What we've done here is just coded by uh, colors. The more red, the more, uh, sorry. Uh, the, the redder is the more Republican, the blue is the more Democrat. Uh, and you see a pattern, I mean, talk about, one of my favorite things would be, uh, talk about a false correlation. You could actually talk about being near water, whether it's either the Mississippi, <laughs> the lakes, or the oceans, being one to liberality. Uh, but being in a dry place gets you closer to God. Uh, now, this pattern was changed a little bit in 2008, but still reflects the same thing. You, you have essentially this blue rim of the country with the, the center of the country being very Republican. Uh, that's one way of looking at it. A much more interesting way of thought was to just look at the 2008 election. And what we did is, these are the counties 
where McCain got a larger representation of the vote than Bush. All right? So the rest of the country, Obama, except for Arizona, and this part right here, Obama gets a larger percentage of the vote, obviously, than Kerry, and also a larger percentage of the vote than, than Gore. Here, in this region, what we might call Palin country, uh, <laughs> there is a very clear uh, a, 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 a sort of McCain will, whether this is a McCain effect, is this an Obama effect? I think this deserves uh, a great deal of study. Uh, just methodological clarity, from this map on, what we did in order to highlight variations, which is not legitimate perhaps, in a paper, but certainly for a presentation's sake, it's worthwhile, we've done the coloring by deciles. Uh, that means that the, 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 the scales that you'll be seeing are not going to be the same ones. They've been standardized by, having, uh, by just doing it by deciles. And you'll see the implications of this in a little bit. So, let's, okay, so ideology, there seems to be that, that particular belt, that very, very Republican belt, if you will. We then wanted to look at ethnicity. So, the traditional categories in the United States, black, white, and then Hispanic as, 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 as another category. And what this is, is the number of blacks or African Americans in the 2008, I think. Uh, uh, not for the 2010 census, that day, though, but this is 2008. This is why I made the point, by the way, about the scales not being equal. So the median here is 2.13%. Uh, you shouldn't think of that this part of the country as being predominantly black. But it's the, what, what's interesting here is the concentration of population. So if we're talking about an, an ethnic identity, you get very different you, United States. Oh, I did it again. Okay, sorry about that. You get, you get a southern belt for uh, a much larger black population. When you look at Hispanics, uh, you see that it's a southwestern belt. Again, the median here is 2.8. But still, you get, you get a sense of the concentration of where Hispanics might be. And if you go to whites, you see that whites are overrepresented, if you will, in this part of the country. So in some ways, the United States, if you wanted to make a pure ethnic argument about a national identity, Actually, the United States is facing this, this great difficulty that there are these different pockets of an, of an ethnicity, of, 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 of an identity. Now, we first wanted to look to see, oh, and this actually breaks down even more. We then looked at, uh, for non-blacks, non-Hispanics, there was a question on the census about ancestry. What is your family ancestry? And this is perhaps the most interesting result. Again, this is for the white population. And this is, by the way, the United States is a German nation. <laughs> okay? There's pockets of things here. This is French. And this is American. <laughs> what is your family heritage? America. <laughs> um, which we think is actually pretty interesting. Especially when you start looking at this very zone. It's also that zone that voted more for McCain than did for Bush. If you start, you know, is, is this just a false correlation, or is there a pattern to that? And we try to introduce more of this. So are Republicans different? That is, are the counties that voted more 
for uh, McCain and the digital bush, do they have a structural, uh, is, there, is there something that defines them? And what we have found is that there's a clear southern effect. Uh, not south, the numbers, the percentage gains are negative, that is, the Democrats actually increase their, their votes. In the south, and particularly in the rural south, uh, the Republicans uh, gain. So there's clearly a regional effect going on here. Uh, and if you look at this, you'll see we have other nationalist measures, uh, but what you'll find is that one of the one of the most significant correlations is between Republican gains and considering yourself American, or between South, South suburban and South rural. So urban South will not tend to be a voted more Republican in 2004. The suburbs and the rural parts of, of the South uh, have. Uh, what about Americans? Are people who say that their heritage is American? All right, again, we see the southern effect, and again, we see that it's a largely rural effect. So something is going on. There is a sub, if you want, if you want to go that far, there is a sub-national identity that is rooted in an ideology, perhaps, and in a perception of heritage, which is concentrated in the American South. Uh, there's another way of illustrating it, that simply there's a very clear relationship between uh, the percentage of people who identify themselves as, as American in the county and the likelihood that the Republicans had gains in 2008 as opposed to 2004. So are Americans different? Are people who classify themselves as American different? Uh, there is a pretty good correlation between American identity uh, and American regionalism uh, and is kind of ideological. So we said, okay, fine, here's a, here's a southern story. This is, this is a legacy of the Nixonian 1968 southern strategy. This is a story that's been talked about for the last 30, 40 years. We wanted to go beyond that, and we wanted to talk about nationalism as unity. Uh, so we, everyone has to quote Hagelin Marshall. Uh, so man, that's the original, uh, has rights so far as he has duties, and duties as far as he has rights. We look at Marshall, citizenship is a status bestowed on those who are a full member of a community. All who possess the status are people with respect to rights and duties. So we want to take nationalism, we want to measure it as the extent to which people are fulfilling a set of duties towards the nation state. And we are using uh, uh, military service, voting, and taxation. So first of all, voting. This is turnout. If we think of nationalism as you're doing your duty as a citizen, are you willing to show up to vote? And what we find is an extreme regional effect. The darker, the most the more likely. You have, you know, uh, 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 public radio, we love this. You have a circle and such around Minneapolis of absolute nationalism. Uh, these are the people who vote uh, very, very regularly. So there's a, there's a strong Midwest effect in New England. This is the South, where voting participation is actually much, much lower. This is in 2000, just so you see that it's not a simple, uh, single effect. This is in 2004, and this is 2008. Again, a very high level of citizenship measured by voting, showing up to actually vote. Uh, I suspect, and I haven't done it yet, I suspect if you did this for congressional elections as opposed to presidential elections, the effect would be even larger. 
because uh, it's a much lower turnout for congressional elections in the United States than are for national uh, uh, elections. So we find in voting, if you talk about American nationalism expressed by your willingness to go to the poll and vote, there's a strong Midwest and New England effect, and it seems to be much weaker in the South. At least by this measure, at least by this measure, the South would seem less patriotic, less nationalist, uh, uh, following the Hegelian or Marxist notions. What about who pays? Okay, taxes are the price we pay for civilization. Uh, this is the greatest. This is the most common duty that most people will have towards the state is paying for the state. So we did this in a couple of ways, uh, and we wanted to do it net. So first we looked at where does the government spend its money? Uh, these are total federal government expenditures, including social security payments, uh, uh, distributed across the country. And it appears that the elite, effete coasts are getting much more money than the rest of the country. But if we do it per capita, you realize that that's largely a reflection of the population, that the most uh, the, the part of the country that benefits the most from federal largesse is actually the American, uh, the Great Plains. And this is because of agribusiness and agricultural substance. Uh, suspect you would not find a similar pattern if you did the same thing in France, for example. Um, then we want to see, well, who's actually paying? Now, the American system is absurdly regressive, but it has some, some progressive uh, uh, capacities. So what you will see is that the richest parts of the country actually pay a larger percentage of their gross income. So the money to pay for the federal government is actually coming from Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> with a contribution from Texas. That uh, most of the country is actually paying a much lower level. Uh, at these are including social security caps, which are extremely regressive and which are, so they're not tied to income. Uh, so even if you include those, uh, basically the country is living off a particular kind of reason. Now, what happens if you look at net federal dollars? Well, you find out that this part of the country, and this part of the country, is actually paying out net a huge amount of money. Um, they, they are not getting as much money from the federal government as they're giving in. The parts, again, that really benefit are these parts of the Midwest. And then uh, we did it, of course, per capita. And I have to, unfortunately, in the coding, the color also becomes reversed on this. Sorry about that. Uh, it's because of the way we, we, we were measuring. So the, the dark spots are actually spots that receive less. The white spots are the ones who receive more. Okay, I'm sorry about that, it just makes it a little bit hard. But you can see that the great Midwest, parts of, uh, of, of the, the New York metropolitan area, and San Francisco and Los Angeles pay per capita a disproportionate amount for the maintenance of the state. At least in this way, they are more nationalist than is large parts of the South. So, expenditure and taxation are very regionalized. Urban centers tend to pay much, much more. Uh, there is a net flow to rural uh, areas. Again, I suspect it's the same pattern if you go through Europe. Uh, rural and Great Plains receive a lot more money. And in general, the Midwest seems, I'm sorry, this is, this is because 
utilized very perversely. The Midwest receives least net uh, from, from the U.S. government. The South tends to receive the most. All right, what about who serves? This is the third measure, let's say, of patriotism. You are willing to go put on a uniform, pick up a gun, and go fight. And what we see is, well, there's not much of a pattern. There is, there is this great myth in the United States that only certain parts of the country, be the South, tend to serve the military. That's not at all the case. This is, uh, one measure of this is veterans per thousand. It's obviously thrown off because of retirement concentrations. So you get a much larger, a much larger percent in Florida. Nevertheless, we think as soon as that people is going to be randomly distributed about where they want to spend their retirement years, uh, this gives us indication that there's really no zone of the country that is more patriotic in this way. What we find is actually, if you look at these and you look at the distribution of this, there's a very strong rural thing. Rural America tends to send many more folks uh, into the military than, than urban centers. We did another measure, which is military compensation per capita. So we have data on people's hometowns, and we also have data on per county how much they receive in military compensation. This gives us a very rough idea of who is serving from where. And here we do see a little bit of the southern effect. And, but again, we see a, this, this sort of Great Plains effect. And this is largely driven, you'll see when we control for everything, this is largely driven because of the, of the rural effect. We would argue that this is much less a regional effect than one that this is almost a perfect definition of rural America. Um, and what we did, we tried to control uh, military compensation per capita among male high school graduates. You basically need a high school diploma now to serve the military recruiting uh, standards, so we wanted to standardize this. And you basically get the same, uh, the same kind of pattern. We also did it with Afghanistan casualties. We're in the process of coding the Iraq uh, fortune. Uh, the data for Afghanistan is, is, is a much smaller number. It was too small to even do per capita. What we see here again is, again, with a relatively small number, uh, once you get the Iraq data, we'll have a better sense. Uh, there is no clear regional concentration. And in fact, and again, this is not per capita, this is not controlling per population. What you find is that you would expect that the centers of population are the ones who, if, 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 if uh, death on the battlefield is randomly distributed by, by your region, they are the ones, they are serving as, as, as much as one would expect. This is Dallas and Houston, this is Los Angeles, this is the New York area, uh, etc. We're hoping to improve this. We're waiting for uh, better data from the U.S. Succession uh, Command that will give us volunteer data, uh, recruitment data by county. Uh, what we do have is some possible indication of southern overrepresentation, but other data really indicates a rural effect. Uh, but cities are still providing a large blood tax, if you will. Okay, let's so start putting these all together. The first thing is, at least by our three measures, there is no single sort of cross-correlating American nationalism. Some counties pay, some counties, some counties serve, some counties vote. The only one where we see some correlation is between turnout and veterans. Uh, and this might actually be less a function of a real causal mechanism than uh, the, the elder tend to vote much more than the younger. 
uh, there's much likely, much more likelihood you're a veteran if you're older, therefore you get that. We're, we're, we're going to explore that to a, to a certain extent. If we put these all together and try to control for everything, so what, what can we find about the percentage who say they're Americans? We actually don't find any kind of relationship, positive relationship, with, uh, with our other measures. In fact, if there's a negative one for veterans and for turnout, what we find, not surprisingly, is that those maps don't lie. That the percentage who claim to be Americans by heritage is largely a southern effect. And, and it's also a, a, a southern uh, rural effect. So the South does have more Americans in that way, in terms of the heritage or self-proclaimed heritage, if you will. If you look at uh, veterans, the only relationship that we found that was positive is between uh, veterans and the population 65 and over. That just makes structural sense, basic demographic sense. Uh, what we do find is there's actually, uh, uh, and there, there is also a southern effect. This is largely driven by Florida. We have to define south in a standardized way, so we use the Confederate states. And that includes Florida. So a large part of this, if we were to eliminate Florida uh, from this, and in fact, when you eliminate, uh, when, you, when you control for rural, uh, Florida being the most urban of the southern states, this term is actually negative. And finally, for turnout, uh, the only uh, positive, the only really significant relationship uh, we find again a rural effect. Okay, the, the countryside, if you will, tends to vote more. Okay, the countryside. In fact, the countryside tends to be uh, uh, more more likely to send veterans uh, and more likely to vote. And uh, the federal receipts cannot be predicted by any of us. As you see, the R square is and that's okay. Oh gosh, I have to talk. Oh, I didn't bring a pause. Uh, uh, the the R square is so low you can't really predict where the money is being spent by any one of these particular areas. So we wanted to start creating a sort of varieties of American nationalism. There isn't a single sort of behavioral norm that we can say. This is what nationals are. So what we did is we classified uh, counties by super patriots. Those are 75th percentile of all the counties. Uh, uh, these are the top 25 counties in, in, for all three of the variables. Okay? These are the hardcore folks. Uh, patriots is 75th percentile or above in at least two of those duties. Uh, Band of Brothers, we try to make this a little bit obvious. Uh, Band of Brothers is the, percent, the highest percentile of veteran shares. Model citizens are those who pay, uh, who are in the 75th percent, counties that are in the 75th percentile or above in terms of voter turnout. Uh, paymasters are those counties that are in the 75th percentile or above of payments to the federal government. And then free riders are all the counties. These are counties that do not qualify in the 75th percentile or above in any of our measures. And what we find is actually the United States is not very patriotic. Um, whether we measure it by number of counties or we measure it by, by population, uh, the, the plurality of the American population does not seem to engage in any one of, the, of these behaviors. There are some super patriots. There are some patriots, band of brothers, Molsons, Paterock, paymasters, but I know the map we all want to see is how are these history internationally. 
hard to sort of get an idea, but just to walk you through it. So the brown areas are the super patrons. And these are pretty randomly distributed across the country. There is no zone that consistently outdoes the other counties in delivery of these services. Um, Patriots are the sort of light brown. And again, you get a little bit of a Western effect. Again, you get the Minneapolis-St. Paul. You never thought of Minneapolis-St. Paul as the center of American national, but it ends up <laughs> that, that, that it actually is. It's listening to a Prairie Home Companion all the time. Um, you have the paymasters. And of course, what this is, is concentrated in the cities. San Francisco, Los Angeles, Dallas, Houston, Miami, uh, Atlanta, uh, New York, etc. The cities, in a sense, are paying for the rest of the country. Uh, Bander Brothers, again, no regional pattern. Perhaps some in the south, but not very much. What you do get is that uh, 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 rural concentration. And of course, my favorite, free riders. And that tends to be very concentrated in the south. Uh, these southern counties are not voting above the standard. They are not turned. To, they are not uh, paying taxes above the standard. Nor are they volunteering uh, above the standard. So our conclusion is this: evidence of very different nationalist types. If we again take nationalism as a behavioral, uh, if we take behavioral manifestations of nationalism, your willingness to pay taxes, your willingness to serve in the military, your willingness to vote, uh, there are very different types. There are some regional patterns. Uh, 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 again, there's a very strong rural effect that is worth analyzing. Uh, but there's certainly not the kind of stereotypes, and certainly not the kind of stereotypes that have been used by what can only be described as the radical right uh, in the United States, otherwise known as the Republican Party. We're going to do further work. We, we, we hope to get data on consumption, for example. We're looking for uh, measures such as uh, flat uh, sales of U.S. flags uh, from Walmart. Uh, that's sort of a national sample. And to get a sense of how many, how many people are engaging in a certain uh, uh, symbolic uh, behavior. We have data on media patterns. Uh, so we'll be able to see is there any relationship between a particular kind of nationalism that we're describing it and media. And of course, we have attitudinal data, uh, which will allow us to get into more standard measures of, of nationalism. Love your country, etc., etc., etc. We have relatively little faith in that, given the amount of nationalism and patriotic discourse in, in the United States. Uh, it just it pervades; it's in the air. Uh, that's why we're going so much on on on, on behavior. So our conclusions: that there's really no evidence of a national notion of nationalism. We don't see this consistent behavior across the the, the United States. There is some regionalization. Uh, there's a rural, certainly there's a rural-urban split. <coughs> but the, the strongest part, the part that I'm most pessimistic about, is the strong southern effect. Whether we want to talk about it in terms of political ideology, whether we want to talk about it in terms of self-identification of your heritage, whether you want to talk about uh, taxation, etc. And we suspect, if you looked at lots of attitudinal measures, there's going to be still very, very strong southern effect. Which leads us to the very pessimistic conclusion that 150 years later, uh, the United States is still fighting the Civil War. That there is still this Mason-Dixon line that tends to define what nationalism is perceived as 
and what national nationalism behaviors are associated with. And with that, thank you very much.